Do you long to walk where Jesus walked? Would you like to experience the Bible coming alive in ways you have never imagined before? Then you're invited to join me and my friend and fellow Bible teacher, Carol McLeod, in Israel, April 25th through May 4th. Imagine being baptized in the Jordan River, worshiping at the Garden of Gethsemane, taking communion at the Garden Tomb. You'll take a boat ride across the Sea of Galilee, float in the Dead Sea, and stand at the Mount of Olives. If you would like to ask questions or simply learn more about this trip, text CONNECT NOW to 94090. Signing up for Connection will allow us to answer your questions, include you in our upcoming information meetings, and keep you up to date on the deadlines of the trip. Visit rolva.org for more information. rolva.org to begin your journey. Hey everyone, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donatio, Bible study author, adventure junkie, and founder of Voice of the Voiceless, empowering women in Africa. Join me here every week for inspiring conversations on discovering miracles in life's messy moments. Here's this week's episode. Well, welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited today to have one of my dearest friends, mentors, partners, fellow Bible teachers, all of the things. It is Carol McLeod. And guys, she is the first return guest from season one, one of the most popular and loved guests of season one. No surprise there. She is the president and CEO of Carol McLeod Ministries. She's a popular speaker at women's conferences and retreats, the author of a dozen books, including Vibrant, Developing a Deep and Abiding Joy for All Seasons, Significant, Becoming a Woman of Unique Purpose, True Identity, and Irrepressible Hope, Stormproof, Weathering Life's Tough Times, Guide Your Mind, Guard Your Heart, Grace Your Tongue, and several more. I could go on and on about all of her books. She hosts a twice-weekly podcast, A Jolt of Joy, on the Charisma Podcast Network, and a weekly podcast, Significant. Her weekly blog, Joy for the Journey, has been named in the top 50 faith blogs for women. She also writes a weekly column in her spare time in Ministry Today. She has written several devotionals for YouVersion, including 21 Days to Beat Depression, which has touched the lives of nearly 1 million people around the world. Her teaching DVD, The Rooms of a Woman's Heart, won the prestigious Telly Award for Excellence in religious programming. Carol was also the first woman's chaplain at Oral Roberts University, and she served as the chaplain on the university's alumni board of directors for many years, and we were rooting for them in the Sweet 16. (laughs) Carol has been married to her college sweetheart, Craig, for more than 40 years, and she is the mother of five children in heaven and five children on earth. Carol and Craig also happily answer to Marmy and Pa for their captivating grandchildren. Welcome, Carol. I'm so excited to have you back. Thank you, Angela. And you know, we really are good friends. I love it. Your listeners know that, that we just don't hop on here once a year, but 
we're in contact with each other a lot and you're a blessing and a delight to my life. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. We had the joy of being together for the R&R conference at the early part of our year, refresh and relaunch. That was wonderful with Jesse Seneca. And we are teaming up to lead a tour to Israel. Are you so excited about this? You know, Angela, every time I say the words, I'm, I'm going to Israel, I almost cry. I know. Now, you've been a lot. So you're going to, you know, really be the tour guide and help us. And I'm going to be the cheerleader because I've never been before. And I just feel like I'm going to cry every place we go. I, I just told Craig last night, like, I'm going to pack one suitcase full of tissues because yeah. I know that every place we go, I'm going to be on my face before Jesus just crying to be there. It, it really is surreal, Carol. I had the joy of going a few years ago with Lisa Turkhurst and a, a large team. Um, my husband then went with a different team from a different church. And then he and I together led a team. And it, I think the first time I went, I was just trying to take it all in. It's so much to absorb and there's so much history and what century are we in and, and, and just geographically, where, where are we? Plus just the emotional aspect of it. And then when my husband and I went, we, you know, were able to teach in a number of sites and then people will get to experience not only a, a, a wonderful Jewish guide who they go to school just for this, they're fully trained to, to show us all of these sites and give us insights that you and I wouldn't necessarily even know. And then we're going to teach you and I are going to teach in these different sites, like the Mount of Beatitudes or by the Sea of Galilee or in the garden of Gethsemane. And like, as I'm saying that I'm getting choked up again, it really is. It is an unbelievable experience. I think Carol, more than anything for, if you're listening right now and you're thinking, wow, I've never been, or I've been, but I'd like to go back. One of the things for me and my husband experiences as well is that you don't ever read the Bible the same way. And that's why I kept thinking of you going because you're such a lover of the word of God, a, an avid teacher of the word of God. And now when you read something, your mind's eye actually has a, a location to ground that in or a deeper scope and concept of what you're experiencing. So I think going to Israel is just like reading the Bible. It's shallow enough for anyone to understand, but deep enough to be inexhaustible. So you could go to Israel and just love the experience of walking where Jesus walked, be baptized in the Jordan River, take a boat ride, and just kind of have a, a very meaningful but not overly intense experience. Or you can just dig deep in the history of it. You can; ex It's very customizable, which is why I don't like to project my experience on anyone else because it's very unique. You're going to have your own unique kind of personal encounter with God while you're there. Well, you know, my husband's afraid I'm just going to stay. <laughs> you just might. Home again, so. <laughs> you just might. And you know what you don't even know. I think I've told Carrie who will be going with us. I had the privilege of interviewing for the podcast. His episode won't air till the fall. The head of the emergency uh, programs for all of Israel, they've been on the front lines of every major disaster and they are building Carol, a three-story underground bunker, which will be the largest blood bank in the world. And that is going to be finished and being dedicated while we are in Israel. So we may actually be able to be there. And as I was interviewing him, I thought whether he realizes or not, he's probably a part of end times to yeah. think about what may be happening and having this underground situation. So, 
you know, Israel is, is a critical piece of, of end times. And as we can all see, we are, we are clearly in the last days. So uh, it's going to be riveting from a number of perspectives. What do you think you're most excited about? Like, what are you most looking forward to about Israel? Well, you know, there's that old phrase that people say, I want to walk where Jesus walked. For me, I want to see what Jesus saw. I want to see the the dusty roads and the Mm -hmm. olive trees and the, and the stormy seas that I, I want to experience it all through my lens of scripture. Mm. Uh, I was reading the word um, yesterday when I was reading the word and I, you know, you and I are sort of going to focus on the questions that Jesus asked at different places. And when he was in the garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives, he, I'm not going to give it away, but he asked a riveting question. So Mm. Angela, I I just can't wait to go where Jesus was, where, he did the miracles where he touched people. Mm. I I just can't wait. I I feel like we're going to get a special download from heaven. You know, like you said, you and I both love the word. We are word girls. We were raised in word homes. We're married to word (laughs) men. We, we have built a life on the foundation of Mm. the word of God. So for your listeners, even if you say, Carol, Angela, I don't know the word like you do. I don't, I don't know that Israel is going to mean as much to me. Oh, yes, it is. Yeah. You, you come with us. Mm-hmm. We will hold your hand. We will experience it together. And when we come home, I guarantee you, Angela, everyone who goes with us is going to be more in love with Jesus when they came home than when they went. That's Absolutely. my prayer. Absolutely. I agree with you. I could not have said that better. And they can visit um, rolva.org. We have everything there. They can also text connect now to 94090 if they have questions. So we're going to be taking registrations for months. So you're hearing this episode. If you're listening right when it airs, you're hearing at the end of April, but maybe you're catching this episode in the summer, you're binge listening, or even in the fall, it's not too late for you to join us. So be sure to connect with us and let us know, and we'll get you all the information. But As we are releasing this episode, Carol, you just released your most recent book, Rooms of a Mother's Heart. I had the privilege of endorsing this book. It's wonderful. It's timely. I know it's been in you for a really long time. We even shared on the episode in season one that you wanted to write this book early on and and you just didn't get the green light from the Holy Spirit. So talk to us about the book and and. What is this book? Who is it for? I know it's been a long time in the making. What inspired you to write and release it now? Well, I'll comment on the last part of your question. It was um, thumb pressure by my publisher. (laughs) That was the My publisher just felt like there was a void in the Christian world of older moms training younger moms. There's a lot of books out there by first-time moms, by moms who have little people, Um, but the scripture is very specific. And I begin the book with a story, Angela, as you know, that when I was in my early to mid-30s, I had the opportunity to meet with one of the premier acquisitions editors in the Christian publishing world. And I was all prepared. I was dressed so cute. And, you know, because I was away from the kids, I didn't have spit up on my shoulders. Um, I had makeup on. 
And I walked in with my book proposal. It was a book on motherhood. And he read it very respectfully. He took off his glasses. He reached for his Bible and he turned to Titus chapter two. And he had me read some verses out loud to him. And the verses that he asked me to read among them were this one. And older women are supposed to teach the younger women how to love their husbands, love their children, and to be keepers of the home. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me with his wizened face, very kind. And he said, Carol, who's supposed to teach the younger women? And I said, that's the older women. He said, that's right. And he said, someday you'll write this book, but today is not that day. Mm -hmm. But now I'm an older woman, Angela. Can you believe it? (laughs) And so now is my day to coach young moms how to do this season in life so well. And as you mentioned, I do have five adult children. And so I've lived some life. And I think for young moms, it's important to listen to a mom with some experience, maybe a mom with some battle scars. You know, if you were going to, if your goal in life, Angela, was to play the piano at Carnegie Hall, you wouldn't take lessons from somebody who only knew chopsticks that's good wanted to be on um you know some great cooking show and cook at a four or five star resort you'd need to train under somebody who knew how to make something more than peanut butter and jelly sandwiches we all need a voice of experience in our lives and i hope to be that voice for thousands of moms today Mm, It is such a powerful book. And I love the fact that it really covers every season of a mother's life. So I want to kind of just do some quick touch points on different sections of it. So let's talk about the young mom. Like you said, we need the experienced coaches. It's wonderful as young moms to have that peer group of other maybe play dates with your toddlers, but we need older moms speaking into our lives because we only have this little glimpse of what we're walking through. And we think, oh, there's nothing more difficult than the terrible twos. Well, then there's nothing more difficult than the terrible teens. And then I'm a young adult mom. So now there's nothing more difficult than parenting a young adult. So I think as we walk through seasons, we only have our frame around that season. Just to have someone who can step back and say, let me give you kind of an arc of where this is going and encourage you in every season. So what is one piece of advice you wish you had known when you were a first time mom And then how would you use that or shape that to encourage young moms today? Yeah, I think, I think I wish I would have known um, how much what I was doing in those baby years mattered. Mm -hmm. You know, Angela, we live in a culture that throws motherhood away, Mm -hmm. that our culture has told us that wiping noses and changing diapers and reading green eggs and ham is a waste of your life. And, oh, I wish I would have had somebody tell me, oh, Carol, when you're changing diapers, you're changing a life. When you're wiping a nose, you're wiping away fear and sorrow from your child's life. I I wish I had somebody to tell me that, Carol, this matters. This matters for today and it matters for the future. And, of course, you know, I know that sometimes young moms don't like to hear this, but I also wish I would have had somebody tell me that this goes so fast Mm. that I've heard it said that motherhood is when the days never end and the years fly by. Mm. Um, And I wish I would have somebody tell me how fast the baby and toddler years go. So, so those two things, you know, every season of motherhood, whether you're mothering a newborn baby or a adolescent or a college kid, 
every season is a layer and every season is a, is a road of preparation for the next season. So you got to, you got to do all the seasons. Well, That's um, good. Angela, one thing I tell young moms all the time is for a woman, especially life is seasonal and know what season you're in. So you can do it well, so you can respond appropriately because, um, you shouldn't be shoveling snow if you should be planting flowers. Know your season and do it well. That's so good. That is so good. I'm noticing a bit of a shift, Carol. Maybe it's coming out of COVID and moms being at home, their, their kids, or maybe in our area out here outside of D.C. where people were commuting to work, exhausting days, getting up at 4 a.m., getting home. Family was getting really squeezed. And so you're not seeing out here this, although there is a desire to return to a sense of normalcy as soon as possible, I'm not sensing and seeing, we're not seeing as pastors in this area, this necessary desire to go back to that kind of rat race of a life where the dad is barely home and the mom is, you know, shoving the kids out the door and running to her own. I feel like we're seeing a trend of, maybe more of an importance put on mothering. Now it might've been forced upon us through COVID, but perhaps that is a positive byproduct of such a difficult season where family seems to be taking a higher priority than maybe it did prior. Are you seeing that? I know you live in a different state. How would you speak to that trend maybe right now in our culture? You know, Angela, I'm definitely seeing that in the Christian community. I think the storm of COVID that has blown through all of our lives has actually um, ripped away some necessary weeds and undergrowth that we have allowed to exist. Um, and I think we've realized what's important in life. And I think that um, especially, again, in the Christian community, we've realized the beauty of simplicity, mm. that, that life goes fast that trauma happens, that tragedy happens. So what are the important things in life? And of course, family, other than your faith, your family is your most important thing. You know, unfortunately, in the um, secular world, Mm -hmm. and I, I think in truly urban areas, I'm not seeing that. Okay. Um, I'm seeing high levels of frustration with mothers. Mm. I'm seeing a lot of panic with mothers who didn't want to homeschool, who didn't want to stay home, who wanted to climb the corporate ladder. And now they're dealing with things out of their control that they can't control. Um, But I I think for those of us who, who are in the Christian community, this pause has been so valuable. Mm. Um, And you know, Angela, also, it's just a way that God has worked all things together for good. We've had time to reassess who we are and what we value in life. Mm. And that can't help but be healthy. So I bet that thrills my heart that you're seeing that where where you live. It, It really does. And I, I'm seeing the same trends you were just discussing the, the frustration, the, um, almost impossible demand of trying to balance the kids at home and the work, but it's almost forced. Okay. Then what do I need to do differently in order? I can't necessarily juggle it in the same way I juggled it before. So I don't even know for another year or two, if we're going to see where all of these trends are going to land, but I think it's interesting for us to see 
some cultural shifts and all the more reason this book is so timely. You mentioned trauma is going to happen. Life is going to happen. We have to establish values. So how can we instill the teachings of Jesus early on in our child's life? Maybe we do find ourselves unexpectedly at home with our littles or even our teens. What are some ways we can instill the teachings of Jesus in these seasons? You know, Angela, when my husband and I brought our five children home one at a time. Um, We developed some traditions. And when we walked in the door with our newborn baby, we would sit down together and we would sing Jesus Loves Me Mm -hmm. over that one, two, three-day-old infant. And then we would take our Bible and we would take our baby's hand and place it on the Bible. Mm -hmm. And we'd say to our baby, this is the word of God. We love the Bible. Mm -hmm. The Bible is how God speaks to us today. Mm -hmm. And we begin to declare verses from scripture over that newborn baby. Um, my, My husband was a firm believer that all the theology that a child needs until they're about 10 years old is Jesus loves me and children obey your parents. No, but we would, um, we would make family devotions alive and interesting age appropriate. You know, we'll, we'll dress one of the big kids up like Goliath and one of the little kids up like David and, you know, knock him down easily. One of my favorite uh, family devotions for toddlers was, um, I'd, I'd put them in their room. And then in the living room, I would have um, all their stuffed animals and all their dolls set up like a crowd. And I would hide um, goldfish, little tiny, those goldfish crackers and other crackers around the room. And they'd come in and I'd tell the stories of Jesus. And I'd tell the story of multiplying the loaves and the fishes. And I'd say, Jesus has multiplied it today. Go find it. And so it became you know, a visual demonstration to them. But to the moms who are listening, start young. It's never too early to start. Newborn babies, Mm. declare the word of God, tell the word of God. Toddlers, teach them scriptures um, and continue those traditions. Now, the teenage years, as you and I both know, (laughs) those are the sticky years. But I had a very wise woman tell me one time, starting at about 10 or 12 years old, Whatever Christian event your child wants to go to, never say no. Whether it's a camp or youth group or youth group at another church or a concert, she said, always make a way, even if it's expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, She said, even if their motivation is wrong, like they want to go see a girl or a boy or still make a way for them to go because the Holy Spirit will be there. So um, every, every season of parenting to train them well, to disciple them well, will take creativity, but it's part of our call as mothers to disciple the little ones that God has given to us. I love that. I remember when Dale was a youth pastor, sometimes their teenage child would get in trouble and the parent would discipline them by taking away youth group or the youth retreat. And Dale would say, please don't do that. Like find another way to discipline, but but that's the very thing they need more than anything is a deeper deposit, especially right now, speaking to trends again, you're finding such a high uh, suicide, you know, thought patterns and, and difficulties among teens and young adults. So that's not the time to pull back. That's the time to dig in more. I know you talk about family traditions in your book, dinner tables. Tell me what a typical dinner table 
evening look like for your family? Oh, I would love to. And I hope I don't cry while I talk about it. But, um, you know, my, my children are very spread out by almost 14 years from oldest to youngest. And so um, as the older ones were approaching the high school years, I still was nursing babies. I still had toddlers who were throwing food across the table. But what we would try to do is, is cultivate conversation that could bring in that could embrace different ages. And so every night at the dinner table, my husband and I would ask questions. We would, every single night we gathered, um, we'd ask questions like, um, if you could meet anybody from history, who would you want to meet? What do you want to be when you grow up? What's your favorite toy? So we'd ask little and big questions. Who's your best friend right now? Who's your favorite teacher right now? Mm. What historical event do you wish you had been at? What biblical event do you wish you had been at? And so we would cultivate this culture of communication at the McLeod family dinner table. Some nights we'd allow the children to ask questions to the mom and dad, and they would ask crazy things like, who did you kiss first? Or, you know, did you ever get in trouble with your mom? But these things are important to talk about. Valuable to bring up at the family dinner table. Um, everybody would have a job to do when it came to dinner, whether it was setting the table or clearing the table or loading the dishwasher. Mm-hmm. And after dinner, you know, again, when the kids are teens, they do their homework or whatever, but we would set aside one night a week. And it was sacred, Angela. It didn't matter what was going on. If you had a report due the next day, honey, you better have it already ready because we're having family night. And we would play games. We would have themes like it might be Italy. And so I would serve spaghetti that night and we would learn a couple Italian phrases. And then we'd watch, you know, a movie that was shot in Italy. The theme some night might be the color red. And so you'd have to come dressed in red and I'd serve some something red and we you know so every we we try to do a theme for family night but traditions are important and Angela my kids are grown they have left me the mm. nerve of those I children. know I know right but they have instigated some of those same family traditions in their own homes I love it I realize how valuable it was um to our DNA as a family mm. I love the the specificity that you described there because it's going another step. And how was your day? Good, bad, good. They walked to their room. That's it. We didn't allow technology at the table. I remember when their friends would come over and here they're there with their phones. We would just lovingly say, Hey, we put our cell phones away at our dinner table. And it took a little bit of a minute, but then even their friends would start to engage in conversation. We used to play the game of pit and peak. What was the pit of your day? kind of the worst moment. And then what was the peak? What was the highlight? And we even had one of our son's friends over this week who had come in town for Easter. And we asked him that at at the dinner table, it was kind of a throwback to when my kids were here. And at the end, he kind of was beaming and he said, I've never played that game. He had grown up in foster care. He'd been bounced around from home to home. I don't know what in the form of traditions he'd experienced, but I wanted him to know, and I'm getting emotional that in my home, I want you to feel loved. I want you to know that your voice matters. I want to, I want you to feel known and an opportunity to share. And so if we can do that as parents, the questions can get harder as they get older. We have to be able to be okay with some of the answers and navigating it, but we should never stop that flow of communication to keep those lines of communication open. 
I, I could talk to you all day, Carol. I want to know, and then I'm going to ask you uh, an interesting question here in just a moment. What is it you really hope moms take away from this book? And is there anything I haven't asked you that you just want to make sure you get an opportunity to share about the value of this brand new book, The Rooms of a Mother's Heart? Yeah, well, I want to close this by talking to two groups of moms, young moms and older moms. And to young moms, I want to say to you, hold your babies. Babies come with one need, and that's to be loved. Mm. You do not spoil your babies by holding them. You spoil children with things and without giving them boundaries. But babies need to be held. They need to be rocked. They need to be sung to. You need to declare the word of God over them. You need to bless them in the name of the Lord and say to them, God is going to use you for greatness in his kingdom. Mm. Um, Physical touch is such an important part of being the mom of infants and toddlers. So there's that. To older moms, I want to say, man, it's hard, isn't it? When you look back at your life and you have regrets and you think, how did this happen to me? Like, did did I go wrong? Did I say the wrong thing? And, you know, the last chapter of my book, Angela, as you know, is called The Front Porch. And The Front Porch has two main purposes in a mother's life. The first purpose is where we say goodbye, because you do have to release your children to their own destiny, their own talents, their own callings in life. Um, But the front porch is also where moms of prodigals wait for their children to come home. And so I don't know who's listening today, but if you're waiting for a prodigal to come home, I can tell you, hang tough, Mm -hmm. stay on your knees, stay in the prayer closet, Keep praying the word over your kids. Keep waiting expectantly because we serve a God who brings prodigals home in Jesus name. You know, Carol, I've told you personally, that was my favorite chapter with our kids now being grown. I started getting emotional as you were sharing that again. And really in every season, we hold our babies close. We do it in different ways as they're older and we're releasing them. We hold them close through prayer, through memory, but to, to stand at that front porch and to either be sending them off or welcoming them home, every season matters. And moms, you matter. You matter. What you're doing, what you're sowing matters. Don't ever let the enemy make you believe it doesn't matter. So Carol, thank you for the gift, not only that you are, but that this book is going to be, it just released How can they find it? How can they get a copy of it? Yeah, so it's available on Amazon where everything else in the world is available. (laughs) Or I always like to remind listeners, there's also christianbookdistributors.com. There's also a new website called shoptheword.com. I love supporting uh, Christian venues. Then go to my website, which is carolmcleodministries.com. Order it there. Or, hey, why not go to your local Christian bookstore and ask them to order some copies for your um, region of the country? So it's available in all those places. And this is a book for them to not just get a copy of for themselves, but this is a gift book. This is buy a few copies, give it to the mom, the young mom, the older mom, the emptiness mom. I bet you could think of five women right now as you're listening to say, I know who I want to get a copy of this too. So 
this is not a buy one book. This is a buy a bunch book, buy a bunch and give them away. One of my friends who's a pastor's wife has said, Carol, I'll never take anything else to a baby shower again. This is the baby shower gift from here on out. I love that. And maybe as a church, we'll buy a bunch of copies and keep them as a stack. I have a CD of of all piano music. And we give that in a gift bag to new moms. It's very tranquil music. They can sleep, you know, newborns can sleep too. So we'll just add your book into that little care package. So I'm going to invite you to pray over our listeners, especially any moms that are listening today, Carol, and you've touched on just a few things we might be feeling and experiencing no matter where we are in our lives right now. But Before we do, I want to ask you one quick question. I didn't get to ask you this in season one. It's something I've introduced in season two. So other than Jesus, when you get to heaven, what person in the Bible do you want to meet? And what burning question can you just not wait to ask them? Okay, well, first of all, it's really good you gave me the parameters in the Bible because historically, but oh yeah, there's only one for me, Angela, and that's Peter. Really? is my favorite disciple. I, whenever I say that, I always feel like I should say, sorry, John, but I just see so much of myself in Peter that before Pentecost, he was impetuous mm. and he talked before he thought and he cut off people's ears and he rebuked Jesus. But after Pentecost, he was the same man, but he was no longer um, using his impetuous nature to offend people. Now he was using it for courage and boldness. Mm. And I think the question I would want to ask Peter is, hey, Pete, when you were out on the sea with Jesus, what, what, why, why did you take your eyes off of him? Mm. Why Was it the eye-to-eye contact? Was that what happened? Mm -hmm. I I would want to say, hey, Pete, what was it like to be at the day of Pentecost and see tongues of fire appear on people's heads? Pete, what was that like? Hey, Peter, like, what were you doing when the loaves and fishes were being multiplied? I, I can just picture Peter, Angela, like throwing loaves of bread like footballs across the crowd because that's who he was. I, I would just want to hear who he was as a man. So thanks for asking that question. And I know for me, it's going to be special to see you at some of these places in Israel, like Peter's primacy, where Jesus fed him that breakfast after he had abandoned Christ and denied him and the love that Jesus showed him. So again, thank you, Carol, for being here. We want to invite you to join us in Israel. This is just a little tiny glimpse of what it's going to be like. It's just going to be powerful So join us in Israel, visit our websites, visit rolva.org, and then of course, get a copy of The Rooms of a Mother's Heart, just released, perfect timing for Mother's Day. Go grab a handful of copies, give them to every mom you know, maybe a mom in your neighborhood that you know has really had a tough time through this year of COVID and what an encouragement this book will be. So Carol, I would love to just invite you to pray over our listeners as we close today. Jesus, we love you so much. Father, we thank you that motherhood 
is important to you. Father, we thank you that you give mothers strength, that you give them courage, that you give them creativity and boldness. Father, for every mom listening today, Father, would you send your Holy Spirit into her home and into her heart? Father, would you restore to every mom the joy of her salvation so that her home can be a joyful, peaceful place? And Father, for those moms of prodigals who are listening, Father, would you bring the prodigals back home? Father, would you restore families in an instant of time? Lord Jesus, we love you and we love serving you. In the powerful and matchless name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining our conversation. Season two is sponsored in part by Worley Dahlberg Yao PLLC. You can learn more about this award-winning law firm at lawfirmvirginia.com. I'd love to stay connected, so be sure to visit angeladonadio.com for books, free goodies, and opportunities to feature your ministry or business as a sponsor. Find me on Facebook at Angela Donadio VOV and Instagram at Angela Donadio, where we do podcast giveaways each month. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at iTunes, cpnshows.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Until next week, let's make life matter.